welcome to Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby, a podcast brought to you by the Tennessee Initiative for Perinatal Quality Care. TIPQC exists to improve health outcomes for mothers and infants in Tennessee through our quality collaborative that will identify opportunities to optimize maternal and infant outcomes across our state and is funded under a grant contract with the state of Tennessee. The Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby podcast is designed for medical professionals and for patients and families across the state. We will focus on all aspects of the perinatal period with special attention to reducing our maternal mortality rate. This podcast is brought to you through a cooperative agreement with the Alliance in Maternal Health. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee podcast brought to you by TIPQC. My name is Danielle Tate, and I am the Maternal Medical Director-Elect. Today, I have the pleasure of having with us Bethany Scalise. She is the Maternal Mortality Director and Maternal Mortality Nurse Consultant for the Tennessee Department of Health, Family Health, and Wellness. Welcome, Bethany. Hi, Dr. Tate. I'm happy to be here. Thank you, and thank you for joining us. Today, we just want to have a very brief discussion with you about the Maternal Mortality Review Committee that the state of Tennessee has in place. If you'll just first start telling us a little bit about what the Maternal Mortality Committee or MMRC is for those who may not know about the organization. Yeah, absolutely. So as you said, the MMRC, that's our review panel that reviews any birthing person who delivers within a year of their death or is pregnant within a year of their death, who is a Tennessee resident. And so anytime that that occurs, that death within a year of pregnancy or during pregnancy, that death comes to the Maternal Mortality Review Program to then start the process of getting all of the information that is needed to then come to the review committee. Great. That sounds like yeah. a very detailed, very time-consuming job, but much appreciated, much needed. Within the MMRC, can you describe the main categories that are used to determine if a pregnancy that occurs in this period that you're reviewing, which is usually that year that includes the pregnancy as well as the year after that postpartum year. What are the main determining factors in those categories and how do patients fit in each one of them? It's a lot of detail that we gather to then bring to the committee. Uh, And we have that lovely multidisciplinary aspect of the committee. And so as we're gathering, you know, we don't just look at the pregnancy, right? Because you know, woman and birthing person doesn't just exist in the hospital and within that pregnancy. There's that whole story behind what has occurred within their life, right? And so we start gathering all this information, you know, even before the pregnancy happened to really create the story because a pregnancy and a birthing person is more than just a number. And so we're really trying to find out, did the pregnancy aggravate this death? That's our ultimate question that we as the committee ask ourselves is, would they have died had they not been pregnant? That's the number one question. That's pregnancy-relatedness. As we start to talk about the data a little bit, that's pregnancy-related versus pregnancy-associated, and that's our core definitions there. And that pregnancy-related is is key there because that tells us that the pregnancy was that aggravating factor that led to the death. And then we ask ourselves, what was the underlying cause? What really caused that death? Was it cardiovascular disease? Was it a pulmonary embolism? Was it mental health condition, postpartum depression? And then we ask, well, okay, now we have what caused it. 
Was it the pregnancy that aggravated it? Well, was it preventable? Was there anything that we could have done? What is that feasible recommendation that can be made to prevent this death? And all of this is, sounds really quick and easy, but it does take, and Dr. T, as you know, it takes a much longer than just these simple questions that we ask ourselves, as well as the chance to alter it. We ask some chance versus good chance, as well as the, the level of impact that our recommendations will make. Is it a small impact or is it going to be a large systems level changing impacts such as changing the way that we think about healthcare is it changing biases within the healthcare system and so we look at you know all the different variations of, of recommendations that's very thorough so <laughs> I, I could talk about it for a long time so i, I hope that, level that many of us would not even dream of as far as yeah. if you had to approach looking into this topic and discussing it you mentioned the committee. I mentioned the committee, the MMRC. Can you speak a little bit to who makes up that committee and the group of people who are dedicated to this work? Yeah, absolutely. So we have legislatively mandated members uh, and more of who, you know, traditionally thinks it would sit on pregnancy related causes to review a death. So you have neonatology, you have OBGYN, MFM, maternal fetal medicine. We have obstetric nurses. We do have our Title V director. We have the Tennessee Hospital Association. But then we have members who, because we wanted a fully rounded picture, as I said earlier, you know, we want to pull in people who can really speak to the mental health aspect and also the community aspect. We have members from the Tennessee Justice Center. We have a member from the district attorney's office. We have a member from March of Dimes really bringing in those community elements where it's out of the hospital setting and out of that clinical setting to really speak on other elements that could have impacted the birthing person's life. I'll tell you, that's a great collaborative. And the one thing that comes to mind for me is eliminating any potential bias, whether it's based on all of us think the same way because we do the same job, or we're actually missing a key component of thought here because none of us have that area of expertise. So that's great to hear. Are the representatives from across the state or mainly in one area? Yeah, we're very intentional about making sure that is a completely balanced committee, making sure that we have equal representation from East, Middle, West, match the CDC standard of the 60-40 split when it comes to clinical and non-clinical members. And I know it was really eye-opening for myself when being a clinician myself and really looking at how we even abstracted pulling out those key data elements. Because we look at the medical record, it was really clinical how we presented the case and really formulating a story and stepping away just a little bit from the more robotic nature of, of presenting a case and bringing it more to the storytelling aspect. In regards to our healthcare providers out there across the state who may think the MMRC is maybe a police of sort, which we know the MMRC is not, can you speak to the importance of just being very open with the data and the information surrounding a maternal death and how that's helpful to getting to the answers? Absolutely. Yeah. So 100% we are not a police in any way, shape, or form. Everything is de-identified. We de-identify even down to the location, the county, the residency, the hospital, the name, of course, your patient identifiers that you traditionally think of, but even down to the location of where this case resided in. And also our committee members cannot be subpoenaed for anything that they hear within our committees. 
And so we really want just to look closely at what truly occurred within this case and a better effort to put data into action versus the raw data that you see from places like Vital Statistics and just, you know, those true raw numbers. We can really look at that qualitative data and that storytelling of really what happened to have those contributing factors and moving that data forward and how to prevent future deaths from happening. So since the initiation of the MMRC, and if you wouldn't mind speaking to the birth of this committee, can you speak on the data that you've gathered, the key data from the state, and maybe even speak to the most recent data that's come out from the state? Yeah, absolutely. So we just published our new report last month, and we were very excited about it. We did have a little bit of a shift of how we presented our data, just trying to make it more data viz friendly less wordiness. Of course, all of our reports are available on our website, just making it a little bit more reader-friendly to where there's a little bit more graphics involved. Like I said, if you want to see the breakdown of our committee, that's all still on our website. But yeah, of course, with COVID, we did post our 2020 data included. We do combine our years just to help strengthen our report and be able to really get down to the nitty-gritty of our, our publication. And so our newest report, we do have an increase in our pregnancy-related deaths for 2020. We had 46 pregnancy-related deaths with a pregnancy-related mortality ratio of 58.5. And so whenever you're looking in comparison for national data, just be sure to remember that that expands past more traditional pregnancy-related mortality ratios that only look at 42 days postpartum. But we did see that increase in 2020. And then we did see that leading cause of death stay on trend in previous years with cardiovascular and coronary conditions. Okay. That was going to be my question. And I think the one that everyone has in mind, did COVID have the impact on maternal deaths as it did on death rates across the country as we would think it would? Was that seen in your data? But it sounds like you're describing more of what has traditionally been your highest causes continuing through the pandemic as well. Yeah, so we only had five cases. We had five cases where COVID was positive within the case. We had four where they were a contributing factor and only three where they were an underlying cause of death. So it's kind of that trickle-down effect. So really not a significant impact in a direct way. But when you think about indirect causes of COVID and wellness, that is still to be determined when it comes to, I'm sure we'll be finding out for many, many years, just truly the impact on COVID and overall health and wellness of individuals in the massive patient population and communities for many years to come. So I'm sure we'll be seeing the indirect causes of COVID on communities and populations for many years to come. Does the MMRC contribute to national data? So are you able to compare Tennessee's rates or Tennessee's etiology outcomes and your findings to other states? Yes, we actually do contribute nationally to the race MM. We are actually funded as well with the, from the CDC. And so hopefully they will be publishing a report here soon with, I believe, 37 states where Tennessee will have contributed to uh, that report that will be coming out. Great. Can you speak a little to where Tennessee may sit in this epidemic of maternal mortality? Not yet, but I will gladly share it as soon as I know. (laughs) More to come. Exciting. I'm sure we can find that information on the website when it's released as well, correct? 
Absolutely. Okay, you'll keep us on the edge of our seats. Yes, 100%. And you speak a little bit on etiologies, most common reasons why women are dying around childbirth in Tennessee. Can you expand that list a little bit more just to talk about those top reasons? And if there's any sort of discrepancy across the state when you talk about etiologies. Yeah, absolutely. And so this year we did it a little bit differently when it came to cardiovascular and coronary conditions. And I'll hit that pretty heavy because that was our has been our leading cause of death or leading underlying cause of death rather for the past four years, the last four years of data that we've published. And then we pulled out because we have enough numbers now, we kind of pulled out and were able to show what were the leading causes then of cardiovascular disease. Because it used to be we pulled out preeclampsia and that was in the top underlying causes, but now we're able to kind of lump all that together. And preeclampsia and eclampsia was almost half of the cardiovascular and coronary disease death. We didn't put it in the report because we did want to see where West Tennessee was at higher risk for pregnancy-related deaths. And we really wanted to see, okay, well, who is dying? Where are they dying? And what are they dying from? Those are the key questions. And when it comes to implementation of intervention, that's really what those key questions that we want to know. We were really looking at, is cardiovascular disease higher in West Tennessee? And we were able to really identify that and see that that's what is occurring is in West Tennessee, that cardiovascular disease is occurring in the West Grand Division. Okay. Well, I will say that I personally have to get to work to make sure I'm being a part of the change, being a part of the solution in West Tennessee, and definitely will lean on our partners across the state to make sure that we are doing what we need to do in the West. And then whatever we learn, we can provide that wisdom to other parts of the state to help them as well. Absolutely. And And we're really excited to start doing more targeted messaging where we can really provide this type of data where it tells specifics for those contributing factors and and those key questions that will really help with implementation and that data to action piece. Well, we'll switch gears just a little bit. And can you speak on how the MMRC has potentially found any key areas of impact that can help to improve the rates that we're seeing in the state? Absolutely. And this really speaks to those recommendations that I was talking about and really those contributing factors as well. Two sides of the same coin. You know, we look at those contributing factors as well as the recommendations. So the impact to help improve the rates is really, we break down our recommendations from a community standpoint, a provider standpoint, facility, and the women and their families and friends. doesn't mean that only hospitals can work on these recommendations or only providers can work on these. It's really looking at the recommendations and where you can potentially have the greatest impact. Uh, And it's having education, implementation of protocols, making sure that we're reducing the stigma surrounding mental health biases and uh, substance use disorder really has common themes throughout each of them. And it matches those contributing factors that we're seeing within each of the leading causes of death. And that's really the the beauty of looking at all of our, I'm a really big data nerd. So I think it's beautiful when I look at it and it kind of all has the similar themes across 
they're all matching together where you're seeing the contributing factors that the lack of protocols, we're not following the, the guidelines and identifying high blood pressures in women and catching the preeclampsia uh, and then having our recommendations on the backside of implementing policies and protocols within the facilities. And then having those community partners integrated and really having that safe space for birthing persons to feel that empowerment and having that community partnership as well and that holistic picture and cohesiveness together. Absolutely. I do appreciate that approach because I think sometimes we can get focused on one part of the potential problem as to why something happened. And when we both know it's usually that Swiss cheese model of several things impacting the person and the outcome ultimately happening. So having that look at all the aspects is really important in my opinion, because also it may cause partnerships to happen that would not have necessarily happened if everyone realizes their part that could have been played in the outcome happening the way it did and then potentially implementing things to make an outcome different in the future for other pregnancies, other patients. Absolutely. I think that's a common misconception uh, when it comes to maternal mortality review and preventability is really we look at all elements of preventability outside of what could the provider have done, what could the hospital have done. We look at the patient and the family. We look at the provider. We look at the system, facility, and the community. It's an entire holistic approach of what could have been done, what recommendation can we craft and recommend to prevent this from happening again. And that's what determines preventability, whether it's some chance or good chance at all of those levels. And that's what determines our our preventability. I can also imagine that this multi-level approach would be motivating for people to find new ways to be a positive impact on different levels. Maybe it's not at my hospital, but maybe it's through a community organization, or maybe it's going in and teaching at the level of the providers instead of trying to get the word out through the hospital system that may not be as approachable. So I think that's great. Absolutely. Can you touch on healthcare disparities that lens as it relates to the pregnancy-related deaths in Tennessee? Absolutely. And so, as I mentioned earlier, we look at the lens through the medical record, which is really nuanced research that's being done. Dr. Connie Graves has been really enlightening when it comes to looking at racism, discrimination, and bias within the medical record. And so it's really been a great opportunity to work with her in making sure our abstractors are being mindful and being able to identify this in order for the committee to identify this within the record. But I believe that's a really big strong suit within our MMRC and having those conversations and being able to identify it. If you look in our report, we're able to now capture, did discrimination contribute to this death? And we're able to have discrimination, racism, and structural racism within the contributing factors listed. And so there's also a really great publication by Michael Sun on the negative patient descriptors and racial biases within the medical record as well. And it talks about how they went through almost 40,000 pages of medical records and how almost 2.5 times greater did they see Black individuals having stigmatizing language within the medical record. And I think that's really telling of what we see in the MMRC 
where it's that stigmatizing language. We see, you know, a diversion from the standard of care. And that's really where our committee can identify and say, this is discrimination and bias. This is racism, where we see that diversion from the standard of care and can make that determination of did discrimination contribute to that. Well, I think that is an amazing part of the work you're doing, and that helps tremendously, if you don't realize it or not, with the topic of unconscious bias. Because a lot of times when these conversations come up as a healthcare provider, we tend to lean to say, well, it's not me. But really, it's how the system has trained us all to be that needs to be recognized. And so having this hard evidence that is systemic will help us move forward and hopefully close that gap and eliminate disparities altogether. But I know it's going to be a slow turning wheel of progress, but starting here and the work you're doing is a great contribution to that as well. Yeah. Yeah, and there's excellent work already being done across the state with a lot of our community grants that were funded, having that education, just starting the conversation and making sure we're creating those safe spaces with conversation and openness and just being aware of your own biases and that conversation. It's crucial. It definitely is. So true. So what do you see as the most impactful measures or actions that healthcare systems and healthcare providers across the state can do to make a positive impact to see their contribution help bring the maternal death rates down in the state. Probably gonna get tired of me saying protocol, protocol, protocol. (laughs) But honestly, it's just having that solid foundation of education and protocol and following those guidelines to be able to identify, right? Because the more that we have those protocols and education with simulation, Because even with hospitals that don't have a large obstetric population and they don't see a lot of obstetrics, bringing it out of labor and delivery and bringing it into the ER, that's why there's that fear, you know, as an ER nurse, formerly myself, that's why we're scared to death of obstetrics or formally scared to death is because we don't see it a lot. You know, when you don't see something day in and day out and you have that routine, you'll miss a potential high-risk patient or you have that fear of the high-risk patient because you're not used to seeing them all the time. So when you have something set in place and you have that appropriate education and screening, it can really go a long way when it comes to the hospital setting. And then on the flip side, as I spoke with earlier, the community is that other arm in that wraparound care. And it creates that safe place of empowerment and knowledge for the birthing person. And it it really, I can't speak highly enough of, it really has to be one cohesive element of the community and the healthcare system working together to make sure that the health and well-being of our birthing persons are at its optimal level there. Very true. I will say as a TQC representative, we are so appreciative of the work that MMRC does and the data that's provided because it has helped us to progress and to move as an organization to make sure we're very thoughtful in what we do to assure that it's gonna have the positive impact needed across the state. I know one of our most recent projects was the simulation project to do just that, to help across the state systems be prepared for any unwanted event with a pregnant woman or someone in the immediate postpartum period, um, specifically focusing on things like hemorrhage and hypertension. This year, we're planning to expand that outside of the walls of the labor and delivery unit. 
and we're moving it in bringing in especially our EMS partners. And I know you can probably speak to the importance of in the field, at the home, wherever she is, the importance of stabilizing and providing accurate care. And so we do appreciate all the collaborative events that we've had in the partnership and would love to hear from you, your thoughts about the partnership with TQC and just seeing if there's anything that we've done that you can see the impact through the MMRC. I mean, saying it right there is working on creating that simulation and really taking the leading causes of death, you know, hypertension. We, we see it right there being ha- almost half, it's 48%, uh, but almost half of the cardiovascular and coronary conditions and creating that education and establishing the AIM bundles. I can't speak highly enough about the AIM bundles because it it's more than a protocol, right? It's working on that aggressive quality improvement measure within a facility and really having that wraparound improvement measure within a facility and then bringing in the AMS providers because it's all one cohesive from home in route with emergency services, then to the ER, that door-to-door care, making sure that our our pregnant persons are safe and well taken care of by the time that they get where they need to get going and hopefully back home to their families. Absolutely. Well, is there any opportunity for those interested in being part of the MMRC to get involved at any level with the work that you're doing? Absolutely. So I am going to put in a shameless plug. Uh, We are currently looking for an experienced OB RN uh, to sit on the panel, as well as a family practice physician with maybe some experience in OB in the West area or maybe a rural region. So if you have interest in reviewing the deaths, we do have openings on the MMRC itself. It's a three-year commitment, but if you would like to be involved in the Maternal Health Task Force, that is an open task force that works on all the implementation news and just collaborative effort on what we're doing as a state to improve maternal mortality and who all is working on these innovative practices on how to reduce morbidity and mortality for our birthing persons. And that's on our website, by the way. It says, join the task force now. It comes directly to my email as soon as you submit the application. And then we immediately send out an email welcoming you, sending you an invite. And then I send out updates on new education, trainings, some funding opportunities that I see every now and again. And if you don't want me to email you as frequently, I won't. (laughs) And the task force is open to all levels of clinicians? All levels. I mean, community members, even advocates, anyone who wants to join to be a part of a learning process or just to be a part of maternal mortality, you're welcome to join the task force. MMRC is limited for the review committee, but we do have two seats open right now, but the the task force is open. Great. And we will be happy to share those links for both the MMRC application and the task force in the show notes in case anyone is interested in being a part of the team and part of the solution. Now, the task force, are they also involved in the information that is put out once the data is collected? I know you guys have some great flyers and educational moments with the information. Absolutely. As soon as we get information and data dissemination, we, I immediately put it out to the task force and probably a little bit too much. Where I'm, Please take these flyers. I have too many sitting at my desk. <laughs> 
but yes, absolutely. As soon as we get new data, uh, especially within, you know, Tennessee's data, it's shared out widely to the entire task force. And the information that you share, what would be the best way if someone were wanting to get written information to disseminate in their organization, the flyers or the educational? So we still have a couple of printed data sheets. So if anyone's interested, I will happily have my email on the show notes as well. So you can please feel free to email me. We do have them all digitally as well, and they're on our website. So feel free to check out our website and download till your heart's content. And how often does the MMRC meet to review information regarding maternal deaths? We meet quarterly. So we're trying not to increase those with the increase of cases and really racking our brain as to how to be as efficient as we can with still doing the justice to give that time because we we spend 20 minutes on each case to really make sure that we're doing a thorough job at getting all the contributing factors, crafting the recommendations, and actually two members get assigned a month ahead of time and get homework. And they do this all at a volunteer basis. So out of the, the goodness of their heart, they spend their free time reading these cases, and then they meet all day from usually 8 to 4.30 to review these deaths and come up with recommendations and and review. Are there any opportunities for an organization, a practice, or hospital system to have someone from the MMRC or the task force come to their organization to speak on this topic and educate everyone there on the importance and the, as well as the recommendations and maybe even give advice on how to implement it thoughtfully at their location? As far as the MMRC, I mean, I'm happy to always come speak, but the members of the MMRC, that would be up to their discretion. Anytime anyone wants to hear about the data and to go talk to organizations as they wish. I know we spoke on the partnership between TIPQC and the MMRC. Are there any other key organizations around the state that are very key partnerships to the success of the MMRC or vice versa. You are inputting into the success of other organizations. There's several organizations that are currently being funded to carry out the recommendations of the MMRC. So the Tennessee Hospital Association is working to implement with the non-birthing hospitals. We talked about, you know, taking you know, the education kind of out of labor and delivery and really working to educate. It's no secret. And if you're not aware, I'm about to make it not a secret still that there have been closures within Tennessee's birthing facilities. And so, you know, having that need of educating emergency departments when they get postpartum and some obstetric patients within their ER. So making sure that we're educating on educating on those risks of pregnancy. And then we do have our community grants that are posted every year, and that's a competitive process where community members, facilities, schools, it doesn't matter who applies for it. We post it every single year, and they're smaller grants, but it's they're tasked with carrying out any recommendation that they see and taking it and running with it as long as they implement the recommendations and they apply for that grant and are awarded. And we've done this now for three years. And it's been wonderful to see all of the different projects. And they're featured in our success stories this past year. So you can read about all of our community grants and the wonderful things that they've done with the projects of implementing all of our recommendations. 
That is great to hear because I know I'm sure at the beginning of this podcast, everyone thought this may be a doom and gloom type of discussion. <laughs> We're talking about mortality, right? And maternal death. But to know that it's more than just a conversation of what is, it is also a conversation of what can be, knowing what is, almost a making lemonade out of lemons type of situation. And I'm sure these partnerships and the work that you're doing, we're going to see that positive impact. And even though we can't control all of those underlying factors, these things will definitely help lessen the blow or the impact of those factors on the people of our state or the pregnant women of our state. So that's amazing work that you're doing. Well, and it's it's so great to see, even throughout reading you know, being immersed in the world of maternal mortality, you hear about the great work that's being done, you know, from a national level, the state level, hearing about TIPQC. I think I was reading something this morning about the work being done with the hypertension bundle, where with the pilot, it was somewhere, and forgive me if I'm just slightly off, 50% with the pilot, and then it jumped up to 70 74% maybe, with the rapid treatment or the timeliness of the treatment when it came to hypertension or hypertensive patients. And so, I mean, just hearing that alone, that massive jump when with the pilot and then implementing it even broader with that, that's huge numbers. And it's really exciting to, to see and hear. Absolutely. I can't echo those words any louder. And I do think it's also very motivating for those of us doing this type of work across the state to continue on because you can see the impact. You can actually make a change. And I do believe that's probably what most of us, if not all of us, signed up for in this healthcare industry was to make things better, to have a positive impact. And so through these organizations, right, start to finish us collaborating, we can definitely have that positive shift on the state that we know is much needed and continue the work, right? Because sustainability is just as important as being able to implement these great works. Absolutely. Well, I do appreciate your time. And again, your hard work, Bethany, we appreciate your leadership and your partnership here at TIPQC as well. And if there's any final words, I do give you the floor. I'm just really grateful for this opportunity to come and talk with you guys today. It's always great to be able to sit down and be able to talk about the report versus just kind of having it up there. So I, I really do appreciate being able to come and talk about it and especially about the review committee. It's always great to shine a light on all of the hard work that they do throughout the year and to really give kudos to all of their efforts and because they do spend a lot of time and effort reviewing these cases uh, and really giving a platform to the stories and and not just a, a number for our birthing persons of Tennessee. And so thanks again for, for having me. Thank you. And thank you all for joining us today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby presented by TIPQC. TIPQC is funded under a grant contract with the state of Tennessee. Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby is brought to you through a cooperative agreement with the Alliance in Maternal Health. Do you have ideas for a future guest or topic or even have a question you'd like answered on upcoming episodes? Visit www.tipqc.org and click on podcast to submit suggestions and questions to our podcast team. 
Make sure to subscribe to our podcast to be the first to know when new episodes are available. And find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube to stay in the loop with our active projects and other relevant news relating to perinatal health in Tennessee.